All right, let's do this. Um, we just got back two weeks ago from a retreat called Freedom Retreat, right? What time is it? Freedom time, right? For those of you who went, um, you know, I miss it. It was such a good time. Uh, for those of you who didn't, I want to sh- recap a little bit about the Freedom Retreat. Uh, each year we have this retreat, and since the beginning of Emmaus, we actually used to... Uh, Think so hard and praying to so hard. What am I gonna, what are we gonna name this retreat? So there's been like different titles that we've had, like, I don't know, like Scandalous Love Retreat. That was like a weird one. That's a weird one, right? There was another one, um, what's another one? There's a Light It Up Retreat, right? Lit, right? Lit Retreat. Anyways, we have these weird names. You know, we got tired of it, and then three years ago, we said, you know what, let's just keep one name. What's one name that's consistent? Throughout, uh, what's, what's, what's God all about, right? And we just decided to name it Freedom Retreat. Cause that's what Emmaus is about. That's what the kingdom is about. And this, uh, this, uh, two weeks ago, um, God, you know, did powerful things in your guys' lives. And, you know, we as Emmaus, our heart and our desire is for encounter, right? Not for you guys to fall in love with Emmaus. And then repost on Facebook about what Emmaus is about, right? But at the end of the day, our hearts for you guys is about encounter. Encountering the living God for yourself, right? And I believe that that took place so many times this semester. Whether it's through these events, whether it's through hanging out, whether it was over some fried chicken, or whether it was in your small groups through the Bible studies, right? But today, the word that I want to focus on rather than encounter is this. As you guys are leaving Emmaus and going back home and going to these summers, what we're really going after here is not just encounter, it's momentum, right? It's momentum. What do we do? How do we live our lives as believers after radical encounters with God, you know? Because let me tell you, if we live our lives going to one event after another event, just going encounter after encounter after encounter, but it leads to no momentum in the way that you guys live your lives, then what are the, all these encounters for? You know? What, it's, just like, it's just like firecrackers. You know what I mean? We're not after fireworks here where it's short-lived. We're after burning embers, right? Where it's real hot and it, it keeps going. You know, that's what we're after here. Right? Tonight, let's turn to the book of Galatians. Right? Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Let me give you a moment to turn there, scroll there. These days, you don't hear pages flipping, right? right? I see you, Angela. Yeah, you got your old school paper, Bible, right? Let's turn to Galatians 5. And I'm going to read verse 1. And if I were to preach the whole chapter, it would take many hours. But we're going to do verse 1. And then we're going to skip to verse 13 to 26, all right? I actually um, had it on PowerPoint as well, if you didn't bring, all right? So here we go. Galatians 5.1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. All right? Verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, all right? Only do not use your freedom, right? Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh or your sinful nature, right? But through love, through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say... Walk by the Spirit. Everybody say, walk by the Spirit. Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Alright, here we go. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, 
strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's not of the kingdom. All right? But the fruit, we all learned this in Bible school, right? Growing up, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I feel conviction in my heart already. (laughs) Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. That's the word today. All right. So, tonight, I want to speak to us about what it means to walk in the Spirit. Okay. The title of this message is In Step with the Spirit. In Step with the Spirit. All right. And when I say in step with the Spirit, obviously I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, right? I'm not talking about some new age force out there, how to be more, uh, you know, new agey, right? I'm talking about a real relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about here, right? In other words, what it means to live a Spirit-filled life, a Spirit-filled life, right? Another translation, I like it, keep in step with the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, right? You see, for us who are Christians here, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we all know this. When we become saved, right? When we become born again Christians, what happens is, in the Bible it says that the Holy Spirit takes residence in us, right? The presence of the Holy Spirit resides in us. And the Bible says in Ephesians, this is really cool. The Bible says that in Ephesians, that the Holy Spirit becomes a deposit in us. That word, deposit, in the Greek is called arabona. In other words, deposit also means, right, this is really cool, down payment, right, down payment. But check this out. In that culture way back in the day, down payment also meant dowry, right? Dowry, in marriage terms, is like modern-day engagement ring, wedding ring, okay? What does this mean? It means this. When the Holy Spirit... When we become saved, right? Born again Christians, Holy Spirit lives inside of you and I as a down payment, as a wedding ring, so to speak, right? So the day when Christ returns for his bride, for his church, and then the Bible says in Revelations, this is not the main point of the sermon, I'm just giving this out for free, right? In Revelations, when Jesus comes back, Jesus is coming to marry his bride. You know what I'm saying? And that the Holy Spirit in us is a down payment, a guarantee of yours and mine, our salvation. Hallelujah. That's good. Our salvation is secure. Our salvation cannot be taken away. Right? It's a down payment. That's the Holy Spirit in us. It's a seal of our salvation. Right? But what does it mean to not just have the Holy Spirit living in us as a guarantee of our salvation... But what does it mean for us to actually do life with the Holy Spirit? To walk in the Spirit. Because many of us, you guys can say, yes and amen. Yeah, Holy Spirit lives inside of me. Hallelujah. Right? That's just something we believe. But walking in the Spirit requires some kind of intentionality in the way that we live. Doesn't it? Right? And so, let me say in the the most simplistic sense, the Spirit of God not only is a down payment for our salvation, a seal of our salvation, but there's a functional purpose of the Holy Spirit in us. And let me make it very easy for us. To make it very simple, the Holy Spirit is involved in our lives for two main things. To help us to be like Christ and to do the things that Jesus did. Right? Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot be like Christ. And without the Holy Spirit, we cannot do the things that Jesus did. That's the main function of the Holy Spirit. All right, keep that in mind, guys. Keep that in mind. All right? You know, I've lived my Christian life for many years since the beginning where I, I knew I was saved. 
And I went to church and I did all this religious activity and I had that amazing encounter where you feel the tingles and the electricity and all that, right? And I had that an encounter with God. Holy Spirit came on me really hard and then it was really powerful. But I was never taught what it really means to steward and walk with the Holy Spirit. You know? And you know, our default nature, our default nature when it comes to if we're not intentional about walking in step with the Spirit, our default nature is to drift into walking in the patterns of this world. Because let me tell you, I'll be the first to admit, I know my frame, and I have a very sinful frame, right? My close friends will admit that as well, right? So, let's do this. Verse 1, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. That's really cool. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Right? Why did he give us eternal freedom? Why does he offer freedom? For us to actually walk it out. To live out freedom. Right? Now, a, a phrase that pops out to me here is this. The yoke of slavery. The yoke of slavery. You know, here... It's implied that those who have been set free out of slavery, it's implied that they have a tendency to what? Go back to living the life with the mindset of a slave. Right? It's like this. Human sex trafficking. Human sex trafficking. Right? It's evil. It's unjust. It's heinous. Right? You know, there are so many stories where there are organizations out there who deliver these little children to deliver people out of sex trafficking, right? And they're taking them out, but to their surprise, what do they do? A lot of them, because of the mindset that they're brainwashed with, because of their their self-perception of themselves, what do they do? They go back. It boggles my mind, right? They go back into human trafficking. There's a phrase that says, you can take someone out of slavery, but you got to take the slavery out of them. The people of God, the Israelites, you can take them out of Egypt, but what is the purpose of the wilderness? Because God wanted to take the Egypt out of them. God wanted to take the slavery out of them, the slave mindset. Why? Because when they saw Pharaoh, the slave master, up in Egypt, that's the only authority figure that they know. You see, when they got delivered, God wanted to take out every ounce of thought or perception they had of God as a slave master. And they they wanted to take that perception out of them. So that they would see God as who he truly is. A good God. A father who carries his children. The Bible says in Exodus, like a father, he carried his children out from Egypt. And isn't that what God does with us? Right? A lot of times in our lives, guess what? Even though God delivers us from our Egypt, even though God delivers us out of the miry clay, set us free, the process that you and I are going through, God is trying to take the slavery out of us. We have a natural tendency, like this verse, to submit again to the yoke of slavery. You know what a yoke is? A yoke... um, Maybe, we, none of, you know, we don't really use yokes these days, right, in our society. It's for farming. The yoke is that wooden thing that goes onto the, the neck of the ox, right? And the ox pulls the cart, right, to do the work. That's what a yoke is talking about here, all right? Let me give you the situation here, all right? The context of this passage is this. Paul is writing a letter to a church in Galatia. Now, the church in Galatia, they had major breakthrough, a revelation of the gospel. The revelation that they got and they converted to become Christians was this. That salvation was not by works. That I didn't have to work for my salvation, but it was a free gift of, by grace through faith. Salvation was not earned. It was received as a free gift. This was the revelation that, revelation that they got. But what happened? What happened is along the way, some voices came in, some voices came in, and they shared a a different gospel, which is not the gospel at all. 
And you know, this different voice said this. Actually, you have to do this, this, and this in order to be saved. You have to get circumcised. You guys know what that is, right? You guys, do I have to go? No. <laughs> you guys have to get circumcised, right? You have to do this religious rite activity in order to be accepted by God. And Paul, if you read Galatians, if you catch his tone, he's pissed, right? Paul, he's, he's angry. He's infuriated. I don't understand. How can you go back to living that kind of lifestyle? How can you do that? This is the context that Paul, that Paul is talking right now, right? So this, this phrase, yoke of slavery, is this, all right? This is, this is, this is important, all right? The yoke of slavery, it represents justification. Everyone say justification. justification. By self-effort and motive. All right? Justification to be accepted, right standing with God by our own self-motive. That's what this yoke of slavery is. All right? Now, that fancy theological word, justification... You know, I was like, man, how can I share this word in a, in a way that, like, we all understand, right? And the best word that I could come up with, and Tim Keller helped me with this, justification, the most simplest sense, it means acceptance. Everyone say acceptance, right? This, this simple truth changes everything, the way you and I live. We are accepted by God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are accepted by God. Right? Christ was rejected that we may be accepted, right? When you and I, when we understand like the heaviness, the gravity of what it means to be accepted, right? Like, like who are we, right? We are sinful, right? That, you know, the God of all the universe, He would accept us, adopt us, call us His children. When we get that in our hearts, that gravity hits us, that changes everything. It destroys shame. It destroys fear. It destroys all insecurities. It destroys all pride. When we get to understand the simple fact that you and I, we are accepted as a gift. Amen? I'm preaching the gospel here today, guys. All right? Many times we go back to the yoke of slavery. All right? Here's a problem. We don't feel secure at the end of the day, of God's acceptance of us. It's either we don't believe it, or we don't feel secure in it. So we turn to other things, right? We turn to our works. We turn to, it may not be works toward God, but let me tell you right now, it is works that we do to to try to gain acceptance and a sense of value from those around us, from our parents, from our friends, from those around you. You see, the yoke of slavery, it's like this. When we submit back again to the yoke of slavery, I'm pretty sure you guys aren't in the mindset of like, oh, like I have to do all these things in order to get saved, right? But the yoke of slavery, it also means this, that I don't understand that I'm accepted by God. Therefore, I will do whatever I can to be accepted by those around me. That also is what it means to submit to the yoke of slavery, right? The, the ways of this world, the culture of this world, that's the natural tendency. Check this out, all right? I want to show you guys something, all right? You see, in this world, the way that we live, the patterns of this world, is all about achievements, right? We work our way. We achieve, therefore, whatever we, we achieve, that shapes our status. That shapes our status, right? And whatever shapes our status, it forms our identity, Right? It forms our identity, which leads to acceptance. Right? I want you to look at this. Right? Basically, what this chart is saying here is that whatever we work for, whatever we achieve, that shapes who I am, and I gotta work my way in order to be accepted. Whether it's from your parents, that's the most common thing, like Asian parents, right? <laughs> like, we gotta work our way to form a certain status to represent a certain class or something in order to be accepted. But this is a beautiful thing. In the kingdom, it's the other way around. In the kingdom, you and I, we are already accepted. 
Come on. By grace. We don't, we, didn't gotta, we didn't have to earn it. We are accepted. I am loved. You and I are loved. We are accepted. Which leads to what? Our identity. You see, because I am accepted, I am a son. I don't got to work for it. Because I know I'm a son, that shapes my status with God. We tight now. You see, he's, we're, I'm in right standing with God because of Jesus. And then what? That leads to achievements. You guys get that? That leads to achievement. That leads us to want to do things for the Lord. Now you guys, now we're getting this. Like, It's so important to understand and ask God to show us revelation of our acceptance. We did Bible study on this this semester. When Jesus was baptized, before he even did anything, remember? The Holy Spirit came upon him and said, This is my son whom I am well pleased. Did he achieve that? No. And then, and then after that, he began to do. It's the same for us. It's the same for us. My doing, what I do, you see the achievements parts? What I do for the Lord when I serve and do crazy things for God, take risks and do all these, th- all these things, my doing should come out from my being, from me understanding the depths of who I am, Right? And how God sees me. Amen? Come on. And so, check this out. When I, when I think of the yoke of slavery, when I was preparing this message, I was thinking of the yoke of slavery. I, I started getting an image of a yoke. And I felt like as I was studying this, God led me to another part of scripture that talks about another yoke. Paul says, don't put on the yoke of slavery. But Jesus says, Take a different yoke, my yoke upon you. Now, Jesus says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Y'all heard this before. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is what? Easy, and my burden is light. This blew my mind. This blew my mind. Why? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. You know, I always read this verse whenever I felt groggy. You know, whenever like, I just wasn't in a good mood. You know, come to me, all you who are weary. Like, God, refresh me. Right? But think about this. You're laughing because you too, right? <laughs> You're laughing because you did it this morning, didn't you? Right? <laughs> right? It's all good. It's not wrong, right? <laughs> but check this out. In the context of the yoke of slavery, a.k.a. religion, a.k.a. religiosity, legalism, working for our salvation, working for our acceptance, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Weary and burdened of what? How many of you guys are tired? Tired of working your way? (laughs) Tired of working your way, right? For your acceptance, right? How many of you guys are tired of personal insecurities? You know? How many of you guys are tired of putting up a front and forming yourself in a way that if you do this, you will be accepted in a certain way when inside you're dying? That's the kind of tired and weariness that I feel when Jesus says to me, come to me, all you who are... You're laboring, you're toiling because you don't understand my acceptance of you. Come to me. And he says, this, this, I was confused when I read this too. Because Jesus is saying this, come to me, take off your yoke of slavery, you right? And, and you know what? Take on my yoke. Take on my yoke. Because I thought it would be like, all right, take this yoke off and how about no more yokes, God? You know what I'm saying? How about no more yokes? I don't, I won't, I won't do work no more. Right? But it's interesting because Jesus says this, come and find rest, but put on my yoke. How does that make any sense? How does that make any sense, right? And I was doing some research. And then farmers, when they use this yoke, right? You know, when you put on a yoke on an oxen, right? The, the yoke is crafted in a way, so I read this, right? The yoke is crafted in a way 
like this. Not all holes, not all yokes are actually equal in bearing weight. There's actually a sequence in like, there's going to, there's like a chief ox that takes the lead. You guys, the revelation's hitting you, right? So when it comes to a yoke, right? The reason why some oxen, the more weaker oxen, right? Don't bear that much weight is because the chief oxen is carrying the brunt of it. Jesus, check this out. When I see, when I think like yoke of slavery, I imagine like, like an ox just working his, you know, just working hard, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> he's working hard. And then he's pulling, he's pulling the, uh, the, um, the plow, right? And then the master's on there. He's like, he's like, he's like whipping, right? That's, that's the yoke of slavery that I see. And you're toiling and toiling and toiling, right? But when I, when I think about the yoke of Jesus, you know what I see? You know what I see? You see, Jesus, he's so good because he didn't come here to be served, but to serve. You see, when I imagine the yoke of Jesus, I imagine myself there as an ox. And I don't imagine Jesus to be the guy whipping me. Jesus is the one next to me, the other yoke. Jesus is the one carrying all the burden. That's why it's light for me. The burden I could not bear. I cannot work for my salvation. But you know what? The master keeps whipping. You know? And I didn't take any of the whippings. But the ox next to me did. Jesus took the whippings. And he did all the work. For this free gift of salvation. And you know what? That points to our acceptance. And that's like, wow, like, who am I that you accept me? What do you see in me that you value so much? When we get this, it's like, I don't really care anymore what the world thinks about me no more. I don't really care about the opinion of man. I don't need to try to build myself up anymore to be accepted in different social circles anymore. You know what I'm saying? It changes everything, the yoke of Jesus. The yoke of of Jesus. Amen? And guess what? The living under the yoke of Jesus marks the beginning of what it means to walk in the Spirit. Here we go, guys. Alright, here we go. Walking not under the yoke of slavery, but under the yoke of Jesus marks the beginning of living your life walking in the Spirit. And what I'm going to do right now is this. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to, I'm going to say three things, right? There's so much more, but for the sake of time, I'm going to share three things of what it means to walk in the Spirit according to the passage you read, okay? So the first is this, walking in the Spirit, it looks like a connected life. Everybody say connected. A connected life, right? Check this out. In Galatians 5.22, what we read is, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law, right? This is the fruit of the Spirit right here, right? The connected life. Now, when I read this passage, you know, verse 13 to 15 earlier, it talks about ultimately, earlier in the passage, it said, the product of our freedom, what it means to walk in freedom, right? You will bear fruit, right? The product of freedom... Is, is love and selflessness, guys. Because I said earlier, here, the true fruit of whether you're walking in the Spirit or not is when you love one another. It said earlier, the law is summed up in all this, the way you love one another, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love here, right? The Holy Spirit is in you and I to help us and to shape us into becoming more like Christ in His character. Everybody say character. All right, and all these fruits here, right? I'm already like convicted by some of them, right? When I think fruit, what image do you see? Fruit grows on what? Trees, right? Right? Is that right? Yeah, fruit grows on trees, right? When I think fruit, I think trees, and when I think tree, 
right? As a pastor. I think John 15 and Psalm 1, right? <laughs> Let me read this for you. John 15 says this, Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus is speaking, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me or stays connected to me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm going to read Psalm 1, 1 to 3. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like the person that meditates on God's word. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers." What was her first point? To walk in the Spirit is to live a life that is connected to the vine. John 15. Connected to the vine. Because when you are connected to the vine, that's the only way. That's the only way Holy Spirit will produce the fruit of the Spirit in you. Amen? And then it says in Psalm 1, I love this. What does it mean to abide in Him, right? What does it mean to stay connected to him? It says in Psalm 1, Blessed is a man who does not live in the counsel of the wicked. Those who delight in the law of the Lord. Those who delight in his word. That's what it means to stay connected. Abiding in his word. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit in season. At the retreat, Pastor Joel, on the first sermon, he started talking about like how much... Remember he said, like, I probably love the word of God more than anybody else in this room right here, right? I was like, don't you know Todd Beatty's in the room, right? <laughs> but, like, I love how he talked about his hunger for the word, right? And I'm going to, let me just share a little bit about how good the word is. Okay, how good the word is. You know, when I was in seminary, I went over to my friend's house. His name is Chris, right? And I went to his house, and then on his bookshelf, I saw... 31 different translations of the Bible, right? And I was, like, joking around with him, like, because he's kind of a nerd, right? I was joking around with him. Hey, bro, like, you better have, like, why do you have so many Bibles? You better have read all these, like, once, right? He's like, oh, I have. He read every translation of all those Bibles. And I, I walked away like, oh, my gosh, am I a Christian? Like, like, what the? Are you serious? He's someone that I know. There's fruit in him that's forming. He's abiding. Right? He's in the word. You know, I have another friend, you know, Andy, right? Andy. There was a day like when you know like those people that the way they eat, like you just get hungry watching them eat. Right? Some people just eat well. You watch like mukbang, right? It's like channels talking about food. You just get hungry, right? Andy was that guy to me. He was that roommate for me. Every time I walk out of my room, he's devouring the word. I walked out of my room one time, and he goes, hey, bro. Hey, bro, like, you want to read the word together today, man? You know? And I was like, sure, right? <laughs> sure. I sat down. I was like, what you want to read? He's like, bro, I just feel like God wants us to read the book of John, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's do it. And then we sat down. In the beginning was a word. The word was with God. The word was God, right? And I was thinking, like, when we got to, like, chapter 3, I was like, hey, bro, uh, how much do you want to read? Right? He was like... <laughs> Dude, we're just going to read the whole thing right now. Right? And then I was like, actually, I have an appointment because I really did. Right? So I got to go, bro. But it was really good. Right? It was reading the word with you, bro. I left. I left. I came back three hours later, and he's in the same spot reading. Right? He's like, he's like you know what? As I, after I finished John, I just got more hungry. I'm just going to read the whole New Testament today. Right? And he was just like, he was like, you know he wasn't doing it as a yoke of slavery. Like, he wasn't doing it religiously. He loved it. He loved the voice in that word, you know. And, you know, I have another friend. His name is John Kim. He's a missionary friend of mine. This guy, man, like, every time I meet him, I walk away from him going to my room and reading the Bible. You know, this guy, when he was in high school, 
right? When he was in high school, he would drive early to school and park in the parking lot two hours before class started just to read the Bible, right? Just to read the Bible. And we, he was saying how, you know, he would read from cover to cover and then he would sit there and read. And there were times when he was so lost in the word of God, like he was so lost in the word of God, he was late, right? And there were times, I kid you not, he was so lost in the word of God that he said he didn't even know the whole day passed by. He skipped the entire day of school, right? Like he looked at the class, like school's over. Oh, shoot. You know? And I thought he was exaggerating, but this happened multiple times. And John is the type of guy where he said that he said that when he got to Revelation 21, the last book, right? He started reading it, and then when he ended it, he was like, wow, like this, this word is amazing. And then in the same sitting, he would turn to Genesis 1-1. Like if I read Revelation 21, and I, I, would, I would say, you know, amen. And I would close it, and I'd be like, yeah, like, <laughs> I did it. You know what I'm saying? I did it. I'm sure part of him inside would felt like that. But he was so hungry. Who goes back in the same sitting to the very beginning and keeps reading? Right? And I, when, I, when, I, when I hang out with John, he's one of the most, he's one of those people that you just, people always want to be around. Because not only is he passionate, but he's, his character is that of Christ. There's so much fruit in him because he's abiding, right? He's a man who walks by the Spirit, right? Amen? You all want to read the Word? Hey, you guys want to read the Word today? <laughs> read the book of John, right? Right? So, fruit grows. The character of Christ grows in us through the Word. But also, another way the fruit, the character of Christ grows in us, the, the, what the Holy Spirit does in us, is actually through uh, trials, through suffering as well. Right? Y'all stop smiling, right? Through suffering as well. And I love what Billy Graham said, the late Billy Graham. He said, mountaintops are for views and inspirations. The glory times, right? But he said, but fruit grows in the valley. Right? Man, when I read that, I was like, I was like, man, like, I need to stop idolizing the mountaintop experiences. And I, I need to embrace the times of suffering and trials in my life with a different perspective and believe that the fruit of the Spirit is growing in these dark valley seasons in my heart. Amen? So for those of you, you feel like you're in the valley, you're down there, let me tell you right now, could it be perhaps that the Holy Spirit is producing fruit in you? And once you accept that and embrace that, you'll begin to walk in the Spirit. You'll begin to catch what He's trying to do in your life. Amen? Amen? No? Okay. You don't believe me? <laughs> All right. Two. Two, right? I'm almost done. Two. Walking in the Spirit means a consecrated life. Everybody say consecrated. Consecrated, consecrated is a fancy word for living a holy life. A set-apart life. Right? You see, these verses right here. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Right? Now this is the part of the scripture right before the fruit of the Spirit that we don't learn in Sunday school. Right? I might teach my kids, right, growing up. <laughs> Maybe, right? Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, all these things. And then right after this, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and all these things. Right? The first list has nothing to do with Christ. The second list has everything to do, to do with Christ. This list. The first list is the ways of the world, and the second list is the ways of the kingdom. The first list is what it looks like to walk in the flesh, and the second list is what it looks like to walk in the spirit. Right? We're talking about holiness here. Right? When's the last time you heard a sermon on holiness? Holiness, living set apart. You see, if you're like me, I grew up thinking the religious mindset is this. I thought the religious mindset of living a holy life is I need to not do these sins. You see this list right here? I just need to not do those things. That's what it means to live a holy life. Many of us still think like that, right? Maybe. I just have to avoid these sins, run away from these sins, 
Avoiding these things means to live a holy, holy life. But let me tell you, there's so much more than that, than to living in holiness. And here it is. Holiness is not just about avoiding sin. Holiness is not sin management, right? Holiness is about pursuit of Jesus. You see, my mindset was holiness is running away from sin. But real holiness is actually pursuit of a greater pleasure. Because when you're naturally running towards something else, you're not running away intentionally from sin, but you just don't, right? That's what holiness is, right? A consecrated life is a life that is not, not where you're not only set free, but you stay free. Stay free. Because how many of us know that this, many of us came back from a freedom retreat, right? And you and I, we were set free in so many different areas of our lives. Very specific ways. But you know what? There's a testing that comes after the mountaintop experiences. Prophet Elijah, guess what? When he experienced that crazy mountaintop experience of calling down fire and then defeating the prophets of Baal, all those things, you know what happened right after that? He got tested. And then Jezebel came, and then he began to fear. He got attacked right after. Even Jesus, mountaintop experience, baptized in the Holy Spirit, Here's the voice of the Father. Right after, he's led into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. You and I, every breakthrough that you and I experience, most of the time it's followed by an attack where you and I are tested. Where you and I are tested. But the goal is not to get free. The goal is to stay free. Amen? And the way you stay free is to stay connected and to live a consecrated life. Pursuing a greater lover. Pursuing a greater affection. Amen? Yeah. Yeah, I'm running out of time. Let me, let me, let me zip through this, all right? The last is a commissioned life. This is my favorite. A commissioned life. Right? You know, when we walk in step with the Spirit, we're not only walking selflessly in the character of Christ... Remember I told you what the Holy Spirit does in us does in us is not just shape the character of Christ, but empowers us to do the things that Jesus did. You know, you and I as followers of Christ, we're not only set free to stay free, but we're called to set others free. Come on. We're called to set others free. Now here's the thing. When it comes to the gospel, Something that I'm very weary of, I want to bring it to light here, is that you and I were very susceptible to these false gospels, these two main ones that I want to address. The first is called the therapeutic gospel. Everyone say therapeutic gospel. This is where we love God for being Jehovah Rapha, our healer. And this is where we receive breakthrough and healing and freedom from. But that's it. Where our healing, right, is the only thing. That's the end all be all. I'm not saying God is not the healer. I'm not saying that, you know, it's bad that God heals. But there's something more than us being healed. There's also another thing called the, I like to call the social gospel. Where community and relationships one another, where that becomes the end. Where that becomes the end. Because I've been part of communities where there was a hole in my heart where I I wanted belonging. I wanted to be part of a community. And I got that. I got that. But sooner or later, I began to ask myself, is this it? Even if the community was so great, I asked myself, is this it? And I soon came to realize that, no, there's so much more to that. Because the true gospel, it not only calls us to get free and stay free, but it calls us to set others free. We serve a king who has commissioned us as his disciples. Go. Go. Make disciples. Go. Jesus commissioned his disciples. We learned this earlier in the semester. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. This is the manifestation of what it means to love our neighbors. Remember we said earlier, To walk in the Spirit, the fruit of that is to love our neighbors. 
and a form of loving our na- loving <laughs> a form of loving our neighbors is to set them free. It's not only that God is Jehovah Rapha to me, but God is Jehovah Rapha through me. It's not only that God is Jehovah Jireh, the provider to me, but God is Jehovah Jireh through me. Generosity. You guys getting it, right? The Spirit-filled life, keeping in step with the Spirit, is living the life of Jesus, guys. You and I, we are all commissioned, all right? And it's, I'm going to close with this. I should stop saying that because I never close, right, when I say that. It's this. You know, the Israelites, I love this. The Israelites, when God delivered them out of Egypt, out of slavery, they crossed what body of water? They crossed the Red Sea. He split the ocean and they walked across, delivered them out of their slavery. And as they were getting delivered, who was chasing after them? The Egyptians were chasing after them. They were running away from the Egyptians, crossing the Red Sea. They were running away from being conquered and captured by them, right? But check this out. After 40 years in the wilderness, they cross another body of water called called the Jordan River. But this time... Check this out. This time when they're crossing the Jordan River, nobody's chasing them. Nobody's conquering them. But guess what? When they cross the Jordan River, they're crossing as conquerors. They're crossing to conquer. And the Bible says that you and I, we are more than conquerors in Christ. You see, how many Christians live their Christian lives running away from being conquered the whole time? How many people cross the Red Sea, spins around in the wilderness, right? Victim mentality, right? Heal me all the time. I'm not saying this is bad, right? Always live. It's tiring living a defeated life with the mentality of, oh, I'm always being chased. The world's out to get me. But let me tell you, the spirit-filled life, the commissioned life, you're crossing the Jordan to conquer. You're crossing with authority. You're crossing filled with the Spirit. This is a life you and I are called to. This is a life that God has for us. The fullness of life. John 10.10, one of my favorite verses. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full. The fullness of life is the Spirit-filled life. The fullness of life is experienced when we stay connected to the vine, when we stay consecrated before Him, and we live out the commissioned life. Conquerors, guys. This is the fullness of life. But what has the enemy been doing in our lives to prevent us from living that life? Right? This is the battle that we're going after. Isaiah 61, 1-3. This is our calling here. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. This is the commission that you and I have of setting others free. Amen? Let's pray a little, right? Let's stand up. Okay, if you can join us. You know, I know that was a meaty message. I know that was a lot. But as our last large group, I do want us to pray. I don't want just information transfer. I want transformation of the heart. That's what we're after here, guys. Right? How many of you guys are tired of living a legalistic religious life? That yoke of slavery. If you're bored as a Christian, right? If you're bored as a Christian, 
bored of just programs, bored of just going large group after large group, you know? Let's be real here. If you're bored as a Christian, then somehow or another, there's probably the, probably the influence of the yoke of slavery in our lives. But I'm here to tell you the truth today that God has for you, His longing and desire for you is to live the fullness of life. You know, my heart for all of us here, I don't want us to live the religious life. I don't want us to live the legalistic life where there is no fruit. But I want us to live a life where we understand our acceptance. And that we want that acceptance for those around us. I want us to live that kind of kingdom life. If we can close our eyes, and I want to paint a picture for us. I want you to imagine just a line, equilibrium, a line right across. Right? Line right across. You know, because of the presence of sin, our hurts, the injustices in our lives, You know, it hits us down below this line, ground zero. It hits us below this line. And then we live our lives without knowing it, trying to get back to that line, trying to get back to ground zero. Get right with God. Be healed. Get right with God. And Satan would have you and I live our lives in a way where we the whole, our whole lives, we just aim for that ground zero. We just aim for that line. But let me tell you right now that your destiny, what God's heart and longing for you and I, you know what it is? It's not to reach that line, ground zero. It's to jump off of ground zero. It's to go beyond ground zero. It's to go beyond ground zero. Just begin to examine your heart, examine your life. What am I doing with my life? Am I walking in the Spirit or am I in this cycle? This cycle of continually returning back to this yoke of slavery.